Hey, welcome back to the Ascent Church Podcast. We have a great episode for you, so let's get to it. Good morning. Uh, That was perfect timing. Did you guys see that? I was struggling with that thing till the very last minute there. Uh, We are in uh, part four, I believe, of the series, My Life, My Rules, this morning. And uh, what we've been doing is walking through uh, the book of 3 John. And I'll be back next week to finish out that series. But this week is a special week as we're taking kind of a break from 3 John. And we're going to the Gospel of John. And we're going to look at this story that really epitomizes who Jesus is. Uh, just how good this Savior is that we follow. And the reason I'm really excited about it is because I'm not the one preaching today. Uh, <laughs> my brother-in-law, uh, Trevor, is going to preach. Trevor, you can go ahead and come up. Yay, Yay Trevor! Yeah. So uh, I've Taylor and I, who read Scripture wonderfully this morning, uh, have been together for a really long time. So I've, I view Trevor really not as a brother-in-law as much as a brother. Uh, I've seen him grow up. Uh, he used to have a really squeaky voice, and then like overnight, he's like got a deeper voice than I do. And I'm jealous because his facial hair compared to mine uh, already, his, he can grow way more than me. So uh, I want you guys to be nice to my brother Trevor. Uh, preaching is very hard to do when you've done it a thousand times. It's really hard to do when you do it your first time. Uh, my first sermon was at a much, much smaller church. And uh, I remember at the last song, I was looking at an exit sign like that and contemplating running out of the building. <laughs> And uh, I think Trevor might have had similar thoughts. Uh, So be nice to him. Uh, He's going to do a really good job of preaching God's word. He's worked really hard on it. So here's what I want for you. I want you to work really hard at listening. Uh, This is uh, an interactive thing that we're doing. I know it seems like you come to watch a TED Talk or something, but that's not what it is in the Church of Jesus. It's it's you listening, me preaching, and we worship together as we go to God's word. So I'm going to pray for Trevor, uh, and then he's going to do a great job. Let me pray for you, Bucky. Father, uh, I thank you for my brother. I thank you for Trevor. Uh, Lord, it's uh, one of the greatest privileges to watch people you love grow up, Uh, and it's even greater when you get to watch those people you love uh, grow up to be mature, godly men like Trevor is becoming. Lord, I pray that you be with him as he preaches your word today. I pray that your spirit would speak through him. pray that you would highlight truth in the minds of your people, that anything he says that is untrue would just be blown away like chaff in the wind. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. You're on your own. Is there a light that comes on? Is this on? You're good. Okay. Sweet. Good morning, Ascent. Good morning. Like he said, my name's Trevor. I'm going to be reading out of John 5, 1 through 15 this morning. Um, I'm going to be talking about kind of what is shame and what can we do with our shame. And I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to read the scripture again, and I'll get into it. So will you bow your heads with me? Uh, dear Lord, I thank you for this day that you've given us and this building that we can meet in. And uh, I pray that you would guide me in the right things to say. And I pray that we could have an open heart in uh, accepting this, this message that you have for us today. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So like I said, I'm going to read the scripture one more time and then we'll jump into it. So it says, After this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethsaida in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been there disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? 
Sir, the disabled man answered him, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up uh, your mat. He replied, The man who made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk? They asked, and the man who had been healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin any more so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews, to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Okay. So as we can uh, see in this text, there's this guy that's at a pool, uh, which is called Bethsaida, which uh, Bethsaida in Aramaic means house of shame. So this man's at a house of shame. He's paralyzed. Uh, in the ESV, it says he's there for 38 years. Uh, and the, this version, it's not, uh, doesn't sp- say a specific year, but I'm going to go with 38 because that's what the ESV says. <laughs> So he's here at this pool, and he's here at the pool because it's believed that at this pool in Bethsaida, or in, uh, that's called Bethsaida, uh, angels come and stir up the water, and the first person that gets in the water gets healed. Um, so that's why this man is, is at the pool. And we all come to a pool just like this guy does. Uh, we don't come to a pool for healing, but we all come to a pool of worldly hopes and some of the worldly hopes could be anger, alcohol, drugs, sexual sin, neglecting time with God, uh, running to food for comfort, online shopping, a lot of different things. Um, this man's shame was a uh, physical shame, but our shame could be a physical shame as well, or it could be sin. Sin's the main one I'm going to be talking about today. Um, so that's kind of, you got a picture of what I'm talking about whenever I say uh, shame. Um, so we all go to a place to try to drown out our sin. Um, in verses 5 and 6, uh, starting in verse 5, it says, One man who was there who had already been disabled for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? So in this passage, Jesus came into the house of shame, Bethsaida, and met this man where he was at. He could have sat outside and said, If anyone wants to be healed, come outside. But he didn't. He came directly to this man. And I want you to notice that he uh, knew this man had already been there because he said when Jesus saw him lying there and realized he'd already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? So Jesus already knows our shame. He already knows where we're at. He knew where this man's at, uh, as we can see in verse 6. And um, he came to came into the house and met this man where he was at. Uh, Jesus knows our shame. There's no situation too broken for, for Jesus uh, to heal. Uh, if we read Revelation 3.20, it says, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. So Jesus meets us at our place of shame. No matter how broken our situation is, you're not too bad for Jesus. Uh, Jesus healed this man who was an unfunctioning member of society. He was paralyzed. He had nothing con- to contribute to society solely out of his love for this man. This man contributed nothing to society. I mean... To Jesus, he, he was nothing. Jesus just loved him. That's the only reason he healed this man. 
uh, Romans 5, 8 says, God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's more of a picture of love than dying on a cross, sacrificing your life, a brutal and painful death on the cross for us sinners because he loves us and he loved this man. My mom had adenoid cystic carcinoma my whole life. She unfortunately passed away when I was eight. But I believe, uh, even though he didn't heal her, he was with her her whole walk. Um, I think he had a much greater plan. His plan was to show people how to walk in faith. I believe that. I know how many people she impacted in her life. And I saw her rest on him my whole life until I was eight. I know he was with her every step of the way in her shame, her cancer, her physical problem. He was with her every step of the way. I'm going to continue reading um, in verse 5 through 7. It says, One man who had been disabled for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. You see, God doesn't ask you to be healed and then come to him. He wants you as you are. He didn't tell this man to do anything. He just asked him, simply asked him the question, do you want to be well? Uh, you don't, I'm going to use this example. Um, you don't take a brand new tire to the tire shop to fix a flat that's not there. In fact, that's impossible. You can't even get to the tire shop if you have a flat. You don't have the air, the, uh, air compressor to blow it up. You, know, you don't have the tools to get to the shop. Jesus helps us get to the shop. Uh, he wants us as we are. He'll meet you at your place of shame just like he did this man and met him at Bethsaida. Um, he doesn't ask us to get to the shop with the brand new tire. He fixes the tires. I'm going to read uh, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 29. It says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God yearns for you to follow him. He yearns for you to put your trust in him. James 4, 5 says, The spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely. He wants you now. And he will change your life. Next thing I want to look at is that Jesus gives us power and ownership. Um, This is uh, verses 8 through 10. And in verse 8 it says, Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. Jesus gives us the power to overcome our shame. Jesus gave this man the power to actually get up and walk because he could not get up and walk on his own. While he did give him the power to give up, stand up and walk, you still have to take a leap of faith and actually get up. You see, this man didn't just sit there. When Jesus told him get up, Jesus gave him the power to get up and he got up. But you still have to take a leap of faith and stand up. Um, so he's going to walk with us. It might not be immediately just like this man uh, where we just get up and walk. 
So you're still going to have to put forth effort. It's not going to be easy. It doesn't say it's going to be easy. But we have to actually take a leap of faith and stand up and walk. If you're an, an alcoholic, maybe you might have to go to AA meetings. For me, in my life, I struggle with uh, try, try, uh, try, my goodness. Sorry, guys. I'm nervous. <laughs> I struggle with. I struggle with uh, finding time to spend with God. Uh, I work at Walmart in the evenings and I go to school in the mornings, so I'm hardly ever home. But I need to find more time to spend in Scripture and in prayer and walking in my uh, walk with Christ. And that's just one of the things in my life. I'm sure we all have them. If you say you don't have an area of shame in your life, well. You're probably a liar because we all have areas of shame in our life. Um, so, if you if you are willing to kind of walk with Him, put your trust in Him, let Him heal you. Maybe baptism might be your next step, like these two girls today. Um, Romans six one through six says, "What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not." How can he who died and died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware of all of who were baptized in Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried in him by baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Colossians 2, uh, 11 through 17 is also kind of the same principle as that. It says, If you were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done by hands, but by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ, when you were buried with him and baptized, in which you were also raised through him, uh, raised with him through faith in the working of God, who was raised from the dead. And you were dead in the trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has been taken away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you in regard to food, drink, or matter of festival, or new moon, or Sabbath day. These are the shadow of what is to come and the substance of Christ. So I think there's two signs that we've kind of experienced Jesus' love, His grace, and His power, and that we can actually trust in Him. Um, so number one, I think we'll have a new motivation for godliness. And uh, I'm going to read verse 11 through 14 for this, and it says, He replied, The man who had made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, Pick up your mat and walk? They asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was, because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin any more, so that something worse doesn't happen to you. I want you to look in verse 14 specifically. He says, Do not sin any more, so that something worse doesn't happen to you. If sin can do more damage in your life than 38 years of paralyzation, why would we continue living in that? There's a path. 
There's a path of godliness and a path of ungodliness, a path of righteous, a path of sin. We're walking in our shame. Why would we continue walking in this shame when we can turn around, repent? This is what, this is what repentance is. Turning around and walking the opposite direction of your sin and shame. Why would we continue walking in shame when 38 years of paralyzation is worse than sin? And number two, I think you'll have a new motivation for evangelism. Verse 15, it says, The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. If you truly believe and experience his grace, why would you not share that? This man was overjoyed to tell the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. In fact, atheists are more offended by Christians who don't share their faith with them than that do. Because if you truly believe what you believe, why would you not share that with them so that they can experience the same grace and power that you've experienced in Christ? Jesus also commissions us um, to evangelize and share the gospel. And band, if you want to come up, I'm going to read Matthew 28, verses uh, 18 through 20. And it says, Therefore, and, uh, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always till the end of the age. There's one last passage I want to read. It comes out of Isaiah 41.10. It says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Are you willing to grab his righteous right hand? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for, uh, again, letting, uh, allowing us to meet here and pray that uh, we can understand what I said today and that we can understand your message. And I thank you for giving me this opportunity to get up here and, and preach your word. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand, guys. Good job, buddy. One thing uh, about that church that I preached in that very first time is they were some of the most encouraging people. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm grateful that Trevor got to preach his first sermon here because I know you guys will be the exact same. Uh, I remember a, a lady who had slept through the whole thing came up and said, young man, that was a great sermon. <laughs> you are lying, but thank you anyways. You know? <laughs> uh, I, I love that, that message of Jesus meeting us at our, our place of shame. And uh, you might be here today struggling with shame of some sort, and you're wondering, how does that practically play out in my life? And let me tell you how it practically plays out. It plays out in a community like this. Uh, Jesus says the church is his body. So if you want to experience the presence of Jesus, you got to get around his people. And Bethsaida actually has two meanings. So it has uh, the meaning place of shame, but it also has a meaning that is place of healing. And what I find really interesting is Jesus can often take our place of shame and make it our place of great healing. I've sat with men who for the very first time in their life admitted to me they had a problem with alcohol. And they thought their problem was alcohol, but going through the process, they realized God wanted to do so much more. And they wouldn't want to go through it again, but that place of shame actually became a place of healing. And I don't know what your place of shame is in your life, but I'm telling you, if you'll meet Jesus there, 
it will become a place of healing for you also. I want you to just bow your heads and I want you to ask God, God, what are you saying to me through this message? I'm going to give you about 20 seconds just to listen. Father, I'm grateful that you are willing to meet us at our place of shame. We don't have to be all fixed up before we come to you. We don't have to have our tires fixed before we come to the tire shop, to use the metaphor of Trevor. God, I pray that you would uh, give some people here today the courage to meet you where they are. And uh, Lord, that you would begin the healing process, taking their place of shame and turning it into a place of healing. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, let's stand and worship this God. Thanks for tuning in to the Ascent Church podcast. You can check in with us on social media at My Ascent Church. New episodes each week. Thanks. Thanks.